Well, good evening. This evening, I'm going to continue a little bit of where we left off last time as far as the humanity of the Lord. And uh, so I'd like to start just uh, with a little background of uh, just about what we went over last time um, with some verses. And I have quite a few verses this evening, so if you don't feel like turning to them, don't, don't feel bad. Just don't turn to them, and I'll read them. Um, <clears throat> The first one is uh, 1 Timothy 3.1. We won't be here, but I'm just going to read this because it is very applicable to what we'll be covering this evening. And that is, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. flesh. And then also, um, of course, John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you, Dave. And um, so that's the basis of the this... The, the talk this evening, <laughs> I, tend to, I'm, I tend to really overdo my, I was talking to somebody yesterday and he said, you know, we, we tend to make the simple complex and I tend to do that and I'm sorry, so bear with me this evening. I enjoy the, the technical part of, of scripture study, but most people don't and so I kind of get caught up in it. And, uh, but there, there's so many aspects of this, this, the mediatorship of the Lord that really ministers to my heart. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody knows I need it. <laughs> this is the Lord said to Pilate in John, John chapter 18. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world. Now he was talking about his kingship, but when you look at the whole of what he was saying, he was he was saying that. To become man was the reason he came. And this is what Pilate uh, said to him, in a sense. Behold the man. As he was on the cross of Calvary, he said, behold the man. And I'm going to just go over some of the many uh, references to the man Christ Jesus real quickly. Uh, he is the man that not just had seen God, but he was the man who is God. Uh, this man has a higher rank than myself, John said that. So he is the man with the highest rank. That's also in John. This man made wine into water. Come and see a man who told me all things, said the woman at the well. Another one said, never did a man speak the way this man spoke. And, and uh, many of these we kind of went over last time. Um, so then he said, uh, being a man makest himself out to be God. That was John 10. And in a sense, it was actually God making himself out to be man. And we went over that as well last time. John 11, that man that should die for the people, this one man who should die for the people. That one man that, uh, excuse me, one man would make many, would justify the many. This one man would justify the many. There is no man that sinneth except this one man who never sinned, who is perfect. Uh, he's, uh, oftentimes we, we think of him saying this in Psalm 22. Uh, he is a worm and no man. And we didn't have time to talk on that, but that would be a good subject. Uh, and then in Hebrews, but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. 
by this man came also the resurrection of the dead. So because he was the firstborn of resurrection, we will also be resurrected. Uh, this man is the man of sorrows. And he is also the man that judges. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit uh, this evening as well. He was marred more than any man. He is the clean man of Numbers 19. And, um, and a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the red heifer. He is the fit man of, the, of, Levitic, of Leviticus. Excuse me. And he is the rich man who became poor. He is the man who can redeem his brother. It says no man can redeem his brother, but he is the one man who can redeem his brethren. He is the worthy man of the heavenly uh, throne room. And we went over that a little bit last time. Um, so those are many. I, I, there's many more, but these are some of the ones that we've, uh, that we've looked at. This is a hymn that uh, I think is a favorite here, as well as in Oregon. When I was up there, it was one of our favorites. And, and, and it's the, the uh, and I, this is loved by all. And I, and I think this is the reason. And it is, my song is love unknown. My Savior's love to me, love to the loveless shown, that they might lovely be. I lost my place, sorry. <laughs> he, oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take flail, frail flesh and die? And that is the aspect of this hymn that I love. It reminds me as I think of God Almighty humbling himself and taking frail, frail flesh. And uh, again, that is the wonder of these aspects of the Lord, uh, that he would take frail flesh and die. Uh, so now, these are the verses, and there, there aren't a lot of verses in the scriptures that speak of uh, Christ as our mediator, but I'm going to read uh, some of them. And the, uh, the first one is Galatians 3.19. Uh, Wherefore, then, serveth the law. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator one, but God is one. And there is one in Hebrews 8, 6. We won't go over that. You can look at that uh, later. And Hebrews 19, uh, 15, and also Hebrews 12, 24. I was going to go over those, but I don't think we'll have time. And those basically are referring to the aspect of his mediatorship that... Re that applies to the blessings, and um, there are some that we're talking about, but we won't read those. Uh, and then uh, this kind of the one that encompasses it all is 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and you can turn there, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, which is really our main text, well, two main texts here, 1 Timothy 2 and then but 1 Timothy 2.1, I exhort, therefore, brethren, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. 
for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is a good, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So that is our main verse this evening. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in the due time. And then Job 9, chapter 9, and verse 30. And this is, um, this is just, I, I was looking at this during this study, but this really is a key passage. It, it, it has really ended up being a key passage. Uh, Job uh, chapter 9, verse 30. And Job is saying this, um, if I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch. And mine own clothes shall abhor me, for he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him. And we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me, and let not his fear terrify me. Then would I speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. And this really just kind of popped out me actually this afternoon as I was looking at this. And this is really what the whole aspect of Christ's mediatorship to us. This aspect, first of all, when we see Job's life, this is this whole aspect of Job, and I think the Lord really gives us a key here to this. Like I say, there's not many passages on the mediatorship of Christ, but this has helped me anyway to understand it more. It's personal, and uh, the aspect that uh, Job had done all these things. When we look at Job's life, he was actually offering sacrifice, not for just himself, but his family. He was doing all these things right, and yet all this stuff, all these terrible things happened to him. He lost all of his wealth, all of his, his livelihood, his animals. And then uh, he, uh, finally he lost all of his family. He lost everything. And he felt like, I'm doing everything right. What else can I do? And, and so he has this struggle within him. How can I even approach? How can I approach God? How can I talk to him? He's so higher. He's so much higher than I am. And I feel that way sometimes. How can I, how can I approach him? He's a holy God. And this is, this is the dilemma that I think Job had. And, and this is going to help us, I think, to understand this aspect of his mediatorship, if we can get by all this, the other stuff. Um, but just remember this aspect the, that, first, first of all, so he's, 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 he's doing what is right, and he's saying, there's two things here I see. He's, he, there's a fear of approaching God. He has a fear of approaching a holy God, which is rightfully so. And then uh, this aspect of, there's a rod, and that rod speaks of judgment. 
So he's saying everything I've done doesn't seem to, to appease, to please this holy God. And now there's this rod that is going to be applied to me that has already been applied to me. And, um, and how is God going to do that? And, and God states himself in, in, in the first chapter there, he said God, or that Job was, he did everything right. He did, there was no sin found in him. And then, not only that, but he worshiped God. So in a sense, he, God is himself is saying, he, he, he's telling Satan, Job has done everything right. He, and he worships. He even worships me. And yet all this happened to him. So how... How do we reconcile that? How does that work out in God's mediatorship? Uh, last week, Jesse spoke on the aspect of the covenants, and they were precious because there's all these covenants, but the one, the aspect of the covenant that really applies to us, there's, there's other aspects of the Abrahamic covenant that applies, um, but the, the aspect of this new covenant, the New Testament, that, uh, that applies to us, that the Lord gave at the, at the Last Supper, that, that covenant, that promise the, of what he would do. And we see a picture of that also. I think Jesse brought that out in, in the Abrahamic covenant, not the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant was based upon their works. And that's what we'll get into a little later. But the Abrahamic covenant, as Jesse had mentioned, these sacrifices were parted and Abraham was in a sleep. And God went through the midst of those the sacrifices and God was going to be the, the, the fulfiller of that Abrahamic covenant. And so it's a picture of this new covenant with us that it's not on the basis of what we, will, we were required to do, but it's on the basis of what God alone will do through his son, the Lord Jesus. Um, here's a little comparison. It might be compared to a wedding. The covenant and our mediator. And in that, uh, when two are going to get married, when they are planning to get married, each one buys the other a ring or a token of a promise. And so that is a vow. It's a token. It's a, it's, it's a gift of that which they're, they're, they are making. And since it's a it is a, uh, it's, it, it is, in a sense, it, we call it a vow. We're making vows, but in a sense, it's a covenant. It is a covenant. The two parties are getting together, making a covenant with each other. The ring represents the promise or the covenant. And then we have the bridegroom, who would represent the Lord Jesus Christ as the mediator. That may fall apart a little bit. I don't know, but it, it clarifies for me a little bit this idea of a covenant and our mediator. <clears throat> I like this hymn. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze on glory, but on my king of grace. Not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hands. The lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. Now, in this aspect of the covenants and Christ our mediator, it is essential that the Lord be come a man that he to fulfill this office just like many other offices it's amazing many of these offices that he will that he will that he will perform requires for him to be like the millennial king as his place of the millennial his millennial reign he, he has to be 
a son of David. It's a requirement. And so he is the kinsman redeemer. He, the, the very fact that it calls him the kinsman, it's a requirement that he has to be, it's a qualification that he has to be a man. And uh, so that is the requirement of the mediator, that he is required to be a man. Now, I'm going to give this illustration if you don't like it. Um, I, I don't know, but it really helped me. So, <laughs> But it has to do with a family who had a single son, a young son, and this family had a, an ant farm. And on this farm, in a sense, there were these ants, and they were angry ants, and they were, they were cruel and mean to each other. And to make this fit, um, the father said to his son, I want you to go and to present yourself to these ants and explain what is right and what is wrong. Why are you uh, cruel to each other? And the son said, well, well, okay. And then he said, um, one further thing is um, they will mistreat you and they will kill you. And he said, oh, well, okay. And then there was one final thing. He said, well, not only that, but you will have to remain an ant forever. So that kind of, in a sense, I know that is probably a, I hope that doesn't offend anybody, but that kind of is, to me, when I think of that and the possibility of that, I can't even comprehend even saying yes to that, to saying, oh, I'll do that. I'll go be an ant, and then I will remain in the form of an ant forever. And yet, in a sense, in a real sense, that's what the Lord has done for us. He has presented himself, and then not only did he do all this for us and present himself to the cruelty of man and the wrath of his father on our behalf, but he consented to remain that forever. So when we get to eternity, our Lord and Savior will be a man at the right hand of God. So here's a little bit of the outline. <laughs> that was a long introduction. A little bit of the outline of what I would do is I want to do a, uh, the, the uh, definition here first. And then uh, there's two problems to this aspect of the mediatorship of the Christ, which is the reason why we need a mediator. And then there's two parts to the office, his office of mediator. <clears throat> the definition. Uh, the definition of scripture uh, is, I think, is best defined in Scripture in this case, in always, but in this case, it, it really has stood out, and that is in Job chapter 9, verse 30, that we read already. And I'll read that again. For he is not a man, as I am, that he should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that, we might, lay, that, uh, that might lay his hand upon us both. So this word daysman, it's the only time that it's mentioned in the Hebrew in the Old Testament. Now we have several times here, seven or eight, six or seven times in the New Testament where this uh, Christ, our mediator, is mentioned. But in the Old Testament, the daysman is only mentioned one time, and, it, and I am told that this is the exact meaning of the New Testament word mediator. So he's, that's what... That's what Job is looking for, a mediator, somebody to go between to lay one hand on us and one hand on God, a righteous God, and bring these two uh, parties together. 
that are at enmity with one another. <clears throat> now the definition, Webster's gives a good definition, uh, uh, and that is one that interposes between two parties at variance for the purpose of reconciling them to an offended God. So it's bringing two parties together. Now Vines, and I, I look at Vines a lot, I, I really respect Vines, and he said something, and his is rather lengthy, but he says something right in the middle that strikes at the heart of this whole aspect. And um, I'll read that. Basically what he says in very short, he says three, it's, what it, this is, is it is a go-between. So a mediator is a go-between, one that goes between two. And he goes on to say this, one who mediates between two parties with a view to produce peace. Though more than, um, though more, than more mediatorship is um, producing peace, as in 1 Timothy, which we read, the, I'm sorry, this is not coming out. Though more than mere, okay, though more than mere mediatorship is uh, in view for the salvation of men necessitated at the mediator sh should himself possess the nature and attributes of him toward whom he acts and should likewise participate in the nature of those for whom he acts, sin apart, only by being possessed both of deity and humanity could he, and this is the key, comprehend the claims of, a of the just one and the needs of the other. So here, and this is with Job, he has the claims of a holy God and the needs of the other, Job or, in, or us. The claims of a just God versus the needs of the many. And to me, that just... The, the, the aspect that God would even consider our needs. He, he, he's a just God. He, there's no reason why. And, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about choice, but you know, in eternity past, there was a choice. We, we also have to make a choice for the Lord, but in a sense, in a real sense, the Lord himself made a choice in eternity past to consider our needs and to fulfill them through the mediator of the Lord, Jesus Christ. So that is this aspect, this, this compo the, the comp to comprehend the claims of the just one and the needs of, of the other, the needs of us. And then another definition, a very simple definition, is a bridge. It's a, just a bridge. To, you know, we see that in the four spirit, if you've ever done four spiritual laws, they have this huge gulf, and they, and they have this little plank that goes, you know, it goes a little bit across, and that's our good works. But there's nothing to reach the other side. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is the bridge to, 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 to bring us to the other side. So a bridge would be another aspect of it. Now, the importance of a mediator, and I, I'm going to go through this real quickly. Uh, and this is something that has really stood out to me, and it really applies to this as well. Uh, in Ruth uh, 4.14, it says this, and the woman, Ruth, said to Naomi, 
Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman redeemer. And I would like to change those last words. Blessed is the Lord God, who hath not left thee today without a mediator. Without a mediator, just like without a redeemer, there was be no hope. That redeemer means that purchasing back, the Lord purchased back, just as Boaz did to, to uh, Ruth. He has purchased us back. So the necessity of a redeemer is essential, as well as a mediator. So without, it, without a mediator, we would be just as hopeless. So uh, um, we could say the same, blessed be the Lord who has not left us without a mediator. Okay. Jesse talked about the blessing and the curses on Mount Ebal and Mount Grism in Deuteronomy 27:28, But they failed to keep the law and ended up with only cursing. This was to show that they needed a better mediator. We know that Moses was the representative of that mediator of the, other, the old covenant, and the Lord himself is the mediator of the new covenant. Uh, and Ironside said this, the promise of blessing rests on man's ability to claim that blessing on the ground of his obedience to the law. No man could ever obtain the promise on that basis. And so our Lord took upon himself the curse of a broken law, was made a curse for sin, and became the great sin offering, and now has become the mediator of a better covenant, in which all the promises of, in which all the promises on God's part and man receives every blessing as pure grace. So an aspect, a work of this mediatorship is the removing of the curse. The Lord said, no man comes to the Father but through me. Like he said, there is one mediator between God and man, this man, Christ Jesus. You know, and other, all these religions will say there is other, there's these other, our man is the man. There is no man. There is one man, the man Christ Jesus, one mediator between man and man Christ Jesus. Now, the consequences of approaching God without a mediator, and that is, I, I think this in Ezekiel 22, 30, really expresses this. This is God talking to his own, his people. And he said, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap a mediator, that one who would stand between the two, stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And now here's the consequences, he says. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. And that is what most religions will do. Most religions will approach God without a mediator. They come before God and say, I hope my good outweighs my bad. And um, that is, you cannot approach God without a mediator. Um, here, here's the truth. God will lay his hand upon us as our mediator. Remember, Job is saying uh, one that would lay his hand upon the two and bring us together. 
And here's the truth. God will lay his hand upon us as a mediator or as our judge. Only, there's only one choice. In other words, the, and this is the Lord, we, we remember we talked about one of the aspects of the manhood is the, the man who will judge. Jesus Christ will judge those who do not choose him as a mediator. So you, we have a choice. We can either choose him as our mediator or he will become our judge and lay his hand upon us. And scripture is very clear. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So we can either choose him to be our mediator and lovingly place his hand upon us and bring us together in, in, on the basis of Christ's work, or he, will, he, will be, he has no other choice as a holy and just God than to lay his hand upon us in, judge, in judgment. The unbeliever is condemned because he refuses to receive Christ as his mediator. And again, most religions believe that they can approach God with their good deeds without Christ as their mediator. And you know, when we talk to people, that happens all the time. They say, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm good. And that's what they say, you know, can I share the gospel? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. Well, <laughs> that's what they're saying. They're not saying, they're, they're saying I'm good. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm counting on my good works, among other things. Someone has said, if Christ be not God, it is but a bridge broken at the yonder end. And that is true. If he is not God, there is no hope. There is no bridge. There is no there's nothing. There's one mediator between God and man, the, Christ, the man Christ Jesus. Okay, so now we have uh, the, the problem of sin. Excuse me just a minute while I over this year. Excuse me, I went over. <laughs> Two problems. I missed a page, sorry. <laughs> it took too many pages. There are two problems. First of all, the problem is the difference between a holy God and sinful man and how we deal with that. The second problem will be how do we deal, how does God going to deal with sin? So the first problem is the difference between a holy God and sinful man. And that, how he deals with that problem, again, is that God would become man. And so I'm just going to go over some scriptures. Well, I know we're all familiar with these different these ideas, but I'd like to just cover them. The, the, the difference is, I mean, and they're right next to each other. Uh, so here we have, in, in, and just as an example, Matthew 1, 21. His name is Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. This, is, this name speaks of his perfect manhood. And then in, in the same chapter, John or Matthew 1.23, it says, Emmanuel, God with us. Another example, Matt, or Romans 1.3. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, our meteor, was born of a descendant of of Abraham, or excuse me, a descendant of David according to the flesh. In Romans 1:4, the next verse it says, but he is declared the son of God. 
So he's the son of David, he's the son of God. Uh, Romans 9, 5. He is Christ according to the flesh, God blessed forever. One moment he was weary from the journey. The next, he was offering life. One moment he was asleep in the bow of a boat. The next, stealing the sea with a single word. He is a man hungry, yet able to feed the multitudes. A man who knew what it meant to be thirsty, yet turned water into wine. In him combined deity, yet humanity. Thus, because he is both God and man, he can lay one hand on God and the other on man, bringing them together. Okay, uh, the second problem, man's sinfulness, and how does God deal with that? And that is also in 1 Timothy 2, um, uh, 5. For there is one God, one mediator, and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So he, this is the answer. The answer for sin is that God provided himself as the ransom or redemption. That aspect of redemption, re, ransom has the idea of re, redemption, the purchase back. So the Lord Jesus, in this aspect of his, his work as a mediator, he redeemed us back. He did not offer an animal sacrifice, of course. Of course. Um, he offered himself a ransom. Now, uh, so that is the first problem, first and second problem that, that are answered. Now there's two aspects to this meteorship. And um, the first one is he is the guarantor, guarantor of the new covenant, and the second one, he is the mediator of a saving ministry. It's an ongoing ministry. Hebrews 12, 24 says, Come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, based on his work alone. In the old covenant, he said, If you will, in the new covenant, he says, I will. And we talked a little bit about that. Now here is his his, his work as a guarantee, and, and this afternoon I just uh, there I had a whole and I just kind of cut it down to one one section of scripture here, uh, the guarantee. But it, it, it just he is he fulfills it all in in, in this verse Hebrews nine thirteen, for if the blood of bulls and goats, and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of a new covenant that by means of death, 
for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of, et of eternal inheritance. So this is the, 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 the doctrinal aspect of, his, of him as a guarantor, that first part of his meteorship. Um, his death and the blood he shed redeems us from sin. The purpose of his death was to deal with sin. His blood redeems us from sin. That's the first part of the second part of this is that his death ratifies or confirms or makes valid the promise so that he is now free to give us this inheritance. Not, not just to forgive our sins, but to give us an inheritance. Um, to give us an inheritance that we're... Um, sorry, I lost my place. That we're under the first sentence that uh, we are called might receive the promise of internal inheritance. Okay, now, going on. His death and his blood he shed, uh, that he shed redeems us from sin. Okay, we, that, we went over the, the inheritance. The cross is a, is a historical event. Through Christ's death and shed blood, he ratified or made valid the covenant. So that is the first part of, of his mediatorship, that he is uh, the guarantor. The second part is that... Uh, of his mediumship, that he has an ongoing ministry to us, and there's four parts to that ministry. The first part is that, um, oh, I, before I go on to that, let me, uh, this aspect of a mediatorship, in the Greek, it means it's a present continuous, ten, continuous tense, which means it's ongoing it, it, from the past when he, uh, and his mediatorship was, it was in, he was fulfilling that office on the cross of Calvary until, and it's going on today. But we do believe that that mediatorship, it will cease. One day it will cease. When we all get to heaven, that his work of, of, uh, as a mediator will cease. It's only in the flesh that we need this ongoing ministry of mediator, I believe. I don't know if there's conflict on, on thought on that, but that's what I personally believe that this is. As I, and I've discussed it with others, and that this, this, his mediatorship ceases uh, when, 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 when heaven, when we get to heaven for us as believers. Now, there's four parts to this ministry, the ongoing ministry. He's the guarantee, but the, the first part, but the second part is the ministry that he, that he as a mediator, applies to us daily. And first of all, it says the returning sinner. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So he, he's the mediator of us as sinners to bring us to God, to, to put his hand upon us and upon God and bring us together. And then ongoing as sinners, as we continue to sin, we confess our sins. So he, that's the first aspect of it. The second aspect of it, the Lord's ministry as a mediator, is to strengthen his children to strengthen us as believers because we all have difficulties, we all have problems, and that we can come to him. We can come before the throne of grace with our needs, and that's ongoing as well. 
and it goes Hebrews 7:23 says this, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So whatever our needs, there's no limit to how he can answer them. He, he is able to save to the uttermost. Uh, that's a wonderful thought for me to know that uh, he's not limited, that whatever my problem is, he is able to help me. So that would be the second aspect. Um, he strengthens and encourages his own. The third one is he ministers to the intercessor. As believers, we also have, we, can, we intercede for others. And that's a lot of what the Wednesday night prayer meeting is, intercession, praying for others. Uh, this one is a little bit lengthy. I'll try to run through this real quick. Um, this is a blessing. Uh, and this is precious, too. Um, our great high priest is sitting, this is a hymn, our great high priest is sitting at God's right hand above, uh, for us his hand uplifted in sympathy and love. To all our prayers and praises, Christ adds his sweet perfume and love the censor raises these odors to consume. Um, and this is a quote, and this is from Ironside as well, and I, and I like this, I really like this. We may often be discouraged as we realize something of the imperfections even of our highest and best efforts to glorify God. And uh, a man named Cowper says this, sin twines itself about my thoughts and slides into my prayers. But it is, a ble but it is blessed to know that nothing reaches God that is not perfect. Our great high priest takes out of our prayers and praises everything unholy or of the flesh, everything that is contrary to the nature of God, the God who we adore. Then to what is left, he adds his own infinite perfection and thus presents all to the Father on our behalf. Is that, that's just, that's precious. Because that does that not happen all the time when we're praying? Things come in that we just, where did that come from? And yet that, uh, that aspect of his, his mediatorship. The, last, the fourth and the last one is uh, the, to the worshiper. As worshipers, uh, we know that from John 4, God the Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And this aspect that he is a mediator of those who worship. Um, in 1 Peter 2.5, it says, Ye also as living stones are built up to a spiritual house as a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, in closing, we have... We're doing pretty good tonight. <laughs> okay. Um, we've, ta we've talked about the definition of Christ as our mediator, the two problems that the Lord has solved through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in becoming flesh, and then uh, also the two aspects of his mediatorship, his mediatorship as far as that he is the guarantee, and that was accomplished upon the cross of Calvary. 
And the second aspect of that is his ongoing ministry to us as believers for those aspects. But uh, what about now? What does that mean for us today? What does that mean in our lives right now? Through the mediatorial work of his death, burial, and resurrection, he has laid his hand on God and us and brought us together. <clears throat> and this, this uh, I think this kind of sums up the, the, the work, and I think this was almost, uh, uh, Nick kind of got to this a little bit this morning. In Ephesians 2.12, it says this, in the aspect that we were far away and he has brought us near. When on the cross, when he said, it is finished, his mediatorial work, the, he had accomplished what he had, what he had gone to Calvary to do in that aspect of his mediatorial work. And this is what he has done for us. That at that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. The household of God. He's brought us into his very household Not only that, but he has removed the rod from us. In his mediatorial ship, he has removed that, the rod that Job has mentioned, that he feared. God has removed it. Jehovah lifted up his rod, O Christ, it fell on thee. Thou was sore stricken of thy God. There's not one stroke for me. Thy blood beneath that rod has flowed. Thy bruising healeth me. He has removed the rod from us. He has removed all fear. Isn't that wonderful? That now there is no fear. We can call him Abba, Father. He says, a boldly, we are to boldly approach the throne of grace. That which was once completely impossible, he has made, he, he is completely, he has brought us near that we can approach, boldly approach the throne of grace. Here are some other things. The Lord said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. So as in his mediatorial work, he has made a place for us. Also, he has brought us to his banqueting table and his banner over us is love. And all these things, these, this aspect of a banqueting table, you know, it requires a special invitation to go to a banquet. We have that invitation in the Lord Jesus Christ. A banqueting table, his banner over subs. He has brought us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I think Sam mentioned that this morning. What a beautiful thought that we, who would have never been able to, to come into that presence, are now uh, ushered into the marriage supper of the Lamb. He 
it didn't get on here. <laughs> but there's a story. And this story uh, stands out to me. And I'll just, as in closing here, um, the story is of Samson. And the story goes something like this. Samson, I don't know what town he was in, but for some reason, Samson was upset with his town, rather upset. So what he did is, it, we're told in Judges, and I, I'm sorry, I thought this was on here. Uh, but uh, it says that Samson went up and you know, on, on all, if you go to the city of Jerusalem, all, there's all these 12 gates, and they're massive gates. And all these towns around that were walled cities, they all had gates. Well, Samson goes up to the gate, and it says the door. So it wasn't just a door, an, a pedestrian door. You know, most of our outside doors are 36 inches by 80 inches tall. So it's, a, you know, a door. And he, it's, these are gates. It says that Samson took the gates of the city the bars, everything about, everything in the gate. He took it all, put it on his shoulders, and, and walked it up to the mountain and left it on top of a mountain. He completely opened that city. And that's what the Lord has done through us, through his mediatorial work. He has taken everything and removed it so we have complete access before the Father this evening. I am my beloved's and my beloved's mine, he brings a poor vile sinner into his house of wine. I stand upon his merit. I know no other stand, not e'en where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, how we thank you this evening for our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And as we have just thought upon him, how precious he is to us that he that he would consider to become our mediator, that he would lower himself to such an extent to become a man and to, uh, to take our place upon Calvary and to, with the desire to bring us near to you, uh, something that we were without hope and could not possibly even imagine, and yet he has done that through his work. How we thank you that you have drawn us to yourself with love we thank you for this complete and finished work that he has done, that truly he has opened all, uh, all of any obstacle, any gates, any doors. He has opened it so that we have complete access into your presence and that you would, uh, you would ask us to come and boldly approach your throne as Abba Father. So we thank you this evening for him. And we pray this all in his precious and wonderful name. Amen.